Armstrong and Getty Show. Good morning. Hope you're doing Direct good. Direct TV has been rated number one. What the hell is going on? So, uh, Jack is ill with an unspecified ailment. Uh, feeling terrible this morning, though. Otherwise, he'd be here. Uh, we're Jack-free for the next hour or two, depending on how many uh, hours of the show you are gifted with and you're in your world. So thank you for tuning in. I was, we were just talking to a gent from the Washington Post about the new Amazon stores that are all scanners and no people and just super convenient and blah, blah, blah. And they've got a, uh, a video you can watch of how it works and stuff, uh, which is essentially an ad for Amazon, honestly. Uh, but I can't watch the ad for Amazon until I watch a different ad. <laughs> and... Because my computer's effed up and nobody seems to be able to deal with it, I can't even watch that ad so I can watch the second ad. So you know what? To hell with all of you. I'm closing the tab. Good luck and good night. So listen, you know, when Megyn Kelly was on to Fox, uh, I'd, I'd watch her show occasionally, and uh, she's she's incredibly smart. I mean, she's crazy, crazy smart. Educated, experienced. You know, she's a prosecutor, that sort of thing. Um Really good on the law and order stuff. I, I like that mostly. But she's just not the most likable gal. There's something about her. Uh, I don't know what it is. Um, but so, but she was a big name and was getting a rep. So then NBC paid her a zillion dollars to come over and, and do, do her thing over there. But uh, a different thing. They wanted to make her into more of a lovable, gentle uh, daytime host for house frows, kind of the last chunk of the today show is it i can never keep those shows straight on the networks yeah um that's where the weasel matt lowry used to work correct oh okay uh so anyway uh, apparently she recently had on damn near 80 year old boomer sex pot icon controversial america hater jane fonda not to get too far uh, ahead of ourselves but uh, this is how it went and, and and a particular subject came up you admit you've had work done, which I think is to your credit, but, but you look amazing. Do you, do you, have you, wh- why did you say, I read that you said you felt you're not proud to admit that you've had work done? Why not? We really want to talk about that now? <laughs> Well, one of the things people think about when they look at you is how amazing you look. Well, thanks. Good attitude, good posture, take care of myself. Well, so she apparently really was a little edgy about it in the video you can see that she didn't appreciate being asked the question she's out promoting some sort of movie about women aging and the rest of it which megan kelly gets into a little bit but uh, a little bit later on she goes on what's the this next show now this is actually just the the today show just kind okay. of the, the the previous three hours before megan i see comes on. okay you guys are real friends on... Oh, and this is with Jane Fonda and her friend Lily Tomlin, who have a, a show out, so mm-hmm. they're, they're together. You guys are real friends on and off camera, right? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you two known each other? 15 oh, years. Oh, my God. <laughs> long time. I well, think before your first facelift. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? What did you okay, say? I never mind. That. I really did. Really never mind. <laughs> we don't need to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I was Boy. just kidding. Now we're, I know. Now we're, now we're getting into it. I know. Well, we, people really Who do. Who are you, Megan Kelly? <laughs> okay. All right. So a little snide tree. It was still on her mind, obviously. Um. And so what do what do we have next? The and, the montage. Yeah. Of, now uh, here's here's a little context of she's not always been so reluctant to discuss right her plastic surgeries. Here's right. some other TV interviews she's done. 
Last year, I had plastic surgery, and I have been very public about it. I, I had to admit it. I just, I feel so good. I'm so happy, and I didn't, I didn't want to look kind of tired and jolly anymore. I feel so great and so rested, and I look so different. And I just decided, um, and I'm not proud of it. I decided I wanted to look more like how I feel. Man, she said the same to. Okay, so Megan uh, ran that apparently. Now, it all sounded kind of lighthearted in the audio. I'd heard that the video was a little more uncomfortable. Um, but evidently, Jane was butthurt that she brought it up. And then Megan was pissed at Jane Fonda's fairly low-level jabs back. Look, I gave her the chance to empower other women, young and old, on a subject which she purports to know well. And she rejected it. That's okay. But I have no regrets about that question. Nor am I in the market for a lesson from Jane Fonda on what is and is not appropriate. After all, this is a woman whose name is synonymous with outrage. Look at her treatment of our military during the Vietnam War. Many of our veterans still call her Hanoi Jane. Thanks to her radio broadcast, which attempted to shame American troops. She posed on an anti-aircraft gun used to shoot down our American pilots. She called our POWs hypocrites and liars and referred to their torture as understandable. Even she had to apologize years later for that gun picture, but not for the rest of it. By the way, she still says she is not proud of America. So the moral indignation is a little much. She put her plastic surgery out there. She said she wanted to discuss the plight of older women in America. And honestly, she has no business lecturing anyone on what qualifies as offensive. Uh, wow. Wow, that got escalated. <laughs> what is going on there? Wow. Hits her with the Hanoi Jane stuff, which, you know, most of us, I, if I heard Jane Fonda had cured cancer, I'd think, wow, old Hanoi Jane finally did something good. I mean, there's just no escaping it. I'll tell you what's going on. You're talking about her show. I think they just needed headlines. The show is dying. Oh, wow, Michael. You think it was like when uh, O'Reilly and John Stewart would go back and forth because they knew what good uh, ratings it was for both their respective audiences? Yep. Wow. Wow. So, hmm. So, That's Megyn Kelly, desperate for something, opts for controversy, which is, you know, a time-honored move, and decides to go after Hanoi Jane because of a fairly minor flap over plastic surgery talk. Okay. It's as good an explanation as I can come up with. It was from the, you know, viral folder. It was certainly one of the show's more viral moments that kind of, you know, bled into a lot of different areas of social media and conversations right. that she was not occupying before. Right. And that right. is becoming increasingly an important thing for media companies and, you know, regardless if it's movies, TVs, you know, newspapers, they want this kind of cross-platform presence sure. on, a, on a lot of different things. And so I could see that being, being that, that's believable. I hadn't thought yeah. about that, but that's very believable. How many humans watch, for instance, Saturday Night Live's uh, Cold Open on NBC television there in the uh, late hours of the night versus how many click on it online, watch short ad, and then watch their Cold Open that's on a, the computer? That's a huge reason why they went to live from coast to coast was because the the West Coast people were getting the show. They were already watching it online by the time it even aired on in California. Well, yeah, but I'm, my point was actually kind of the opposite. They probably don't care, or maybe they do. Yeah, the, probably the broadcast numbers are more important. But obviously, the uh, you know the echo chamber of of 
uh, posted stuff online is huge, too. And if they are interested, if NBC is interested in putting Megyn Kelly in a position to succeed, what they should because they are paying her a ton of money, I think they need to get rid of the live audience. Her mm. style doesn't play well to applause breaks and audience reactions. Like yeah. her, her momentum and her, her tempo of her arguments, I think, is much better if she doesn't have to worry about pausing for applause breaks. Right, yeah. And, well, honestly, you know, <laughs> beware having, you know, some great rock and roll guitar player and saying, I think you'd be even bigger in country. Yeah, maybe you will, maybe you won't. And they had her switch genres, and so far, so not so good. Speaking of uh, the cable news biz and, uh, and, and, and news in general, I'm looking at some of the numbers from the uh, the federal government careening toward a shutdown Friday night promotion. Fox News pulled out a big primetime ratings victory, head and shoulders above the rest of the cable news competition from 11, 8 to 11. You know, to me, that's, that's usually explained by the fact that the liberal viewership, the progressive viewership, is split between CNN and, and MSNBC and all the big networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, which are all notably and indisputably lefties, um, whereas Fox gets most uh, conservative viewers. It's funny. Um, Jack's always bitching. He's absolutely right. If anything happens outside of primetime on Fox News, whatever little blonde hottie who's some 26-year-old, you know, quote-unquote political consultant or whatever, um, half-wit, whoever's there... They anchor the big coverage, no matter how big a story it is. They don't bring in their heavy hitters. They don't have, you know, Brit Humor, Brett Bear, or whatever come in uh, nearly as much as, like, MSNBC does. In terms of the professionalism of the coverage, Fox gets pantsed by MSNBC all the time. Now, I happen to not like the politics of MSNBC, but in terms of, like, professional quality broadcasting slash uh, cable casting, whatever you want to call it, um, they really do a better job. Uh, Tucker Carlson tonight led all primetime programs in the key demo as it hauled in 683,000 viewers in the metric, whatever that means. 683,000. That's interesting. Um, Oh, that's in a specific demographic group. I'm sorry. The 8 p.m. Fox show finished second to Hannity in overall audience for the day, grabbing three and a quarter million people. That's actually a hell of a lot for, for cable news. So I'm a little surprised to hear that. Uh, you know, the whole shutdown thing was getting more attention than, you know, your usual day-in, day-out crap out of D.C. gets. Um, but I'm surprised that it's that much higher. That was a big night for cable news. I guess America was paying attention more or less. Oh. All right, more something completely different coming up. I was really hoping to get to the ridiculous damn situation in corrupt California. Uh, if we can... I don't know. I don't know. Let me take a look at the possibilities, and we'll uh, we'll figure out something semi-entertaining for you. <laughs> we hope. Uh, more to come. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Voice of the West. Good news, it looks like the government shutdown is over. 
They shut it down, and they started it back up. It's nice to know Trump's plan for fixing the government is the same as fixing a Windows computer. It's like, did you try unplugging it? Mm. Mm. Slim Pickens, and that was by far the best shutdown joke. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Not even close. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when we get time, more talk about animals on airplanes, which I guess has now uh, reached the critical point. You know, it's good to see there's a little sanity left in the world as everybody, every everybody who flies was saying the same thing. The hell is it with all the dogs on the airplanes now? And hogs and snakes and mini horses and the rest of it. And, you know, like so many things. What was the, the flying sloth? Wasn't, didn't somebody bring that onto really? a plane? Hung it from the overhead compartment? <laughs> so more on that. Um, you know, and the problem with it, well, I won't steal my own thunder. Well, the problem with it is that it screws people who have legitimate needs uh, for, um, you know, the, the guide animals or the, like, um, if you have post-traumatic stress, uh, service members, whatever, and they really need those dogs. Now, all of a sudden, it's going to get harder for them. But people are selfish and stupid. It's just the way of mankind. The sooner you accept that, the happier you'll be. So, listen, I have a couple of... uh, Jack's sick, by the way, if you're just tuning in. Uh, We're hoping it's not the flu or something crazy, you know, not only for his sake, but, you know, I don't need it running roughshod through the station. Um, and, And, you know, God help us, our families, and the rest of it. But anyway, so he's off today. I have a couple of nicknames for California that I like to use. Corruptifornia. Well, let's start with uh, Calunicornia, uh, which is based on my belief that uh, so many voters in the state and the government are more than happy to cooperate with this, uh, are trying to build this incredibly expensive, unrealistic, ultimately oppressive and stupid uh, progressive utopia. And it's just wildly unrealistic. Um, Just doesn't understand human nature or the free market or, or... understand what a rip-off giant government is, which brings us to the other nickname, Corruptifornia, because there are people becoming zillionaires all the time, sucking off the government teat because the government takes in so much revenue and then spreads it out to the cronies because it's a one-party government. It happens in every one-party system, from California to the Soviet Union to Texas, whatever. It gets harder and harder to rein in corruption because of the natural process in uh, a free society where the opposition party calls the uh, ruling party on their bullcrap. You know, you'd like to think there's some real ethics there that one of the thing, one of the reasons I'm a golf fan is we we call uh, our fouls on ourselves. And anybody who doesn't is considered just a, a horrible person and a cheat and and is uh, whispered about but anyway, you need the opposition party to be healthy and strong to call the ruling party on their crap. Anyway, so Corruptifornia um, passed, and I was shocked to see Jerry Brown uh, uh, back this. And if you're a four-hour day, everyday listener, God bless you, first of all. Thank you. Uh, secondly, we brought this up briefly yesterday, but I want to reset it. Prop 1 in Corruptifornia was a $7.5 billion bond measure to pay for new water projects. Well, why? Let's let's open this to non-Californians only. Why would California want to spend billions of dollars on water projects? Duh, because uh, it's drought-prone, and you have wildly insufficient water storage, and you need to drink water, and agriculture needs it, and you got to let some loose to keep the salmon alive now and again, and the entire country knows California is desperate for Water storage, right? Everybody knows that. So it passed overwhelmingly with the backing of everyone, this Prop 1. So 
hoping to get some of the money, water districts, which are desperate for water, they're making everybody like not use any and, and hitting people with fines for drinking too much or taking long showers and installing wacky low-flow water uh, shower heads that are like water picks uh, that just squirt a couple of drops at you. So it's, it's gone crazy. So these water districts draw up plans for 11 projects, including uh, two in the Bay Area and a massive new uh, Lake in Calusa County, which is known as the Sites Reservoir, which has been studied and set up and approved for years and years and years. But so just a couple of days ago, the California Water Commission, which was set up to decide which projects get the bond money, said nearly half of the projects have no public benefits that meet the ballot measures rules. Half of them have no public benefit and the rest fall way short of providing as much benefit as they have to. For the cost. And you're thinking, well, wait a second. How would like a giant reservoir or two outside giant metropolitan areas have no public benefit? Doesn't that seem crazy? Well, here's why. And this is this is what always happens in Cal Unicornia. We're back to the, you know, wildly unrealistic utopian uh, vision. The bullet train. Perfect example. Same thing happened in the bullet train. The way it's scored is not on how much drinking water it would deliver to people or water for agriculture or anything like that. Here's how it works. The Democrats in the legislature put the the water bond on the ballot, and this is new. This has not been done ever before. They insisted none of the measures money for dams could pay for increased water storage. None of the money for dams could pay for increased water storage. It could only be for environmental benefits and like boating, hiking or flood control. You passed billions of dollars of money for water storage. None of it's for water storage. And they won't approve any of the projects. Welcome to Corruptifornia. Marshall, your top story next. What's up with the secret society reference in text messages between two members of the FBI? Getting into that coming up minutes from now. Secret societies? Armstrong and Getty. We'll have a next Armstrong and Getty show. the Armstrong and Getty show for fans of the hippity hop music like Positive Sean. Indeed. The internet has nailed down the exact date that Ice Cube was referring to in his classic song, Today Was a Good Day. (laughs) (laughs) They have, through the evidence offered in the song, nailed down the exact day, which was a good day. See, it's strange because in that song he claims that the Goodyear blimp said Ice Cube was a pimp, and I don't think that actually happened. Hmm. So it's a mix of fiction and nonfiction. Hunter Thompson-esque, if you will. <laughs> we'll explain how they nailed that down in a moment or two. It is amusing. Right now, Marshall Phillips has the news. Marsh? All right, all clear, all clear, all clear. In case you were worried about it, the tsunami watches up and down the West Coast have been canceled. They were canceled a while back. The National Weather Service uh, canceled the warnings that they put out for Washington, Oregon, and California, and Alaska after a magnitude 7.9 uh, quake hit off the uh, coast of Alaska overnight. That's a big one. 
That is Megan. a big one. How far off the coast? Not terribly far, I, right? I, no, I thought it was over 100 miles uh, off the that's coast. That's far enough, I suppose. Yeah. You ever watch any of those tsunami videos from oh, various disasters? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're hard not to watch. They're they're just astonishing. It's not. It's 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 scary once you realize what's going on at that much swirling water and and. What survivors have told us is that since it picks up everything yep. in its path and swirls it around, it's like being in a blender if you're carried along by the water, because it's cars and light poles right. and and traffic signs and, and, and everything else, everything else being swirled around rapidly and yikes, not a good way to go. Yikes. You don't want to be caught in a tsunami is my point. There you go. That's the Thank lesson. You. The government, Tomorrow, tornadoes. The government up and running again, but a three-week deadline to make a deal on immigration is looming. Wes, we're back on track for three more weeks. Democrats sending their filibuster over immigration after the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell pledged to take up legislation on the issue very soon. In her briefing, Press Secretary Sarah Sanders read an official statement from President Trump. As I've always said, once the government is funded, my administration will work towards solving the problem of very unfair illegal immigration. We will make a long-term deal on immigration if and only if it's good for our country. And he's saying we'll see you at the negotiating table. Meanwhile, you've got House Oversight Committee Chairman Trey Gowdy wants to know more about a certain reference in text messages between two members of the FBI. The South Carolina Republican telling Fox News. What's also troubling to me is this text that Johnny Radcliffe found last night about this secret society. Now, I have no clue what that means because that was not the phraseology I used, but it's the day after the election, and it's the same two people that were discussing a little bit later in the text the damage they had done with the Clinton inv- investigation and how they could, quote, fix it. That reference said perhaps this is the first meeting of the secret society. The FBI agent Peter Strzok and FBI lawyer Lisa Page were removed from the Russia investigation after the texts critical of Trump were discovered. The Texas uh, Congressman John Ratcliffe suggested that there may have been a broader secret society working within the FBI against Trump. And given the allegation that the Obama administration overused the surveillance powers of the uh, the NSA and the FBI and the FISA courts and the rest of it to surveil Trump administration members and may have violated those laws, the reference, you know, among FBI agents to it's time to, you know, convene the secret society. Yeah. This is all very, very strange. There is something stinky going on here. And I don't think it's it's, it's Trump, uh, you know, kissing up to Putin either. There's some funk going on here, and I wonder if we'll ever get to the bottom of it. You know, the latest yeah. uh, the trend, and we talked about this earlier on, no matter what agency you're talking about, no matter which uh, party is in charge, is they just lose the record. Sorry, we can't find them. Right. F you. It's happened over and over again in recent years. Or you, you stonewall. like the, And this is unimaginable. The Justice Department stonewalled Congress so long under Eric Holder that Holder became the first uh, department, the first, uh, uh, what am I looking for? Attorney General. Attorney General, yeah. To be held yeah. in contempt of Congress. I think maybe in the nation's history. I could be wrong on that, but... It's just the idea of a transparent government, an accountable government, and a government that's overseen is getting less and less true, and it's scary. Turns out there are a number of reasons for one West Coast burger chain's success. <clears throat> Business Insider 
pointing out In-N-Out Burgers pays its employees really well. In fact, In-N-Out's paying store managers more than $160,000 a year. Wow. That is more than triple the industry average. And this is without a college degree or previous management experience. They work their way up from the line to manager. To put that in perspective, the article says tech workers in Silicon Valley earn on an average of 114000 a year. So you got a manager of a bur- of an In-N-Out making 160000 Yeah, well, if you're running it efficiently, they're printing mm-hmm. money. My God, yep. they got lines there all the time. Yep. And the help is almost uniformly great. So, yeah, interesting. You get what you pay for. Indeed. Now, right. if they could just make French fries that are good more than three minutes after you purchase them. Yeah, it's an issue. <laughs> you know, all fries are way, way better the younger they are. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, I could make a really inappropriate joke here, but I won't. Um, but, yeah, in and outs do suffer in particular from the 10-minute car ride home. The Oscar nominations for 2018 are out. Now, the nominees for Best Picture and Positive Shine, you can jump in any time along this Go ahead, uh, let's pathway. all praise Rapeywood for their, 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 their lecturing us on how to live our lives, even as they hide sexual assault and perversions of every sort. Oh, oh, Rapeywood, please, let's hear what you've done for us. Nominees for Best Picture. Hypocrites, liars! Nominees for Best Picture include Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk. Dunkirk picked up a ton of nominations. Uh, the movie Get Out, which I saw, I thought was great. Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. So yeah, your top three nominations just in terms of the total uh, Oscar noms. Yeah. They got three billboards, got seven. Dunkirk got eight. Yep. The Shape of Water got 13. One shy of the record. Uh, a couple other interesting, just random numbers from this. Um Timothy Chalamet from Call Me By Your Name. He is the youngest Best Actor nominee in nearly 80 years. He is 22 years old. Wow. Mm. Christopher Plummer became the oldest nominee for acting in the Academy's history at the age of 88. He was the guy who was swapped in for right. Kevin Spacey in the last minute for all the money in the world. Does he rape people? Because uh, lots of these people rape people. Then they tell us how we ought to live and what we ought to think. He doesn't seem to be one of those. No. And uh, the first ever female cinematographer was nominated for a Netflix movie called Mudbound. Super duper. What am I supposed to do? Hold a parade? <laughs> Wear a pink hat? What are you over there? It's pipe down. Nobody cares. Everybody hates Hollywood now. Hollywood's out! For any of you who care, Jimmy Kimmel's going to be hosting the Oscars Sunday, March 4th on ABC. You know, it? the Shape of Water movie is about bestiality, isn't it? Admit it, Positive Sean. Pe- Pestiality? It involves fish. Well, even worse, yeah, fish yeah. blankers. <laughs> yeah. So you got some lady getting with some sea creature. It's unnatural. It goes against God's commandments. But you're down with that, aren't you? God dang it, Hollywood. Gil love. That's the your news. The modern Gamora. Oh, my God. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. What about the nutritious trout? That's <laughs> well, as a lover? That's a, that's a deleted scene. Pervert! Yes. The, uh, I, so, I want so much to ignore the Oscars, I, and I want to talk about how I'm going to ignore it, then afterward talk about how I did ignore it as a gesture, as a thing. But I've got to watch it to see how terrible it is. Oh, can I squeeze in one more? Oh, tidbit? for God's sake. Logan scored the nomination for Best Adapted Screenplay, becoming the first live-action superhero film to do so. What? Com- all right. Comic book movie. Got nominated for an Oscar. That's good stuff. Yeah. All right. If you're oh, an overgrown right. adolescent who's, a, who, who's down with rapists and fish blankers. <laughs> Why don't you go molest an octopus, huh? 
God, good. Yeah, you know what? You go down to the, 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 the piers. Go to the piers in San Francisco. Find yourself a sea lion and give it a ring. And, and start mashing with it. Stick your tongue in its salty, salty mouth. And make, make it sweet love if that's the way you swing. You know, octopi only actually have seven arms. Not the... Well, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Damn you, Hollywood. Don't believe me, just watch. All right, more to come. This, that, and the other. And maybe even more than that on the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Sean, let me uh, let me hear that Jimmy Fallon joke, would you? Can you dial that up real quick? The uh, Fallon two, yeah. A lot of people were talking about this. Kim Kardashian and Kanye West named their newborn daughter Chicago West. <laughs> Sounds less like a baby, more like something that would air on Thursdays at 10 p.m. on NBC. <laughs> Next on Chicago West. Get back here. Yeah, they got some new doctor show they're touting the hell out of, you know, handsome and, and gorgeous doctors running back and forth trying to save sick people. It's a, it's a time-honored genre. Can I hear the Nixon tape? This is interesting. This is uh, this day in 1973, Richard Milhouse Nixon. We have adopted a plan, which we have worked out in cooperation with the South Vietnamese, for the complete withdrawal of all U.S. combat ground forces. So uh, announcing the withdrawal of troops, uh, soon to be followed by the collapse of the incredibly unpopular South uh, Vietnamese regime. Um, you know, I'm trying to think, what's, what's the best book about the Vietnam War? I've got, you know what, I haven't read Fog of War yet. That's the McNamara book, isn't it? Marshall would remember. I think I have it, but I haven't read it. Um, there's a book called A Bright Shining Lie by, I think, John Paul Van was his name. Read it a number of years ago. Absolutely great book about Vietnam. It, um, it's a fairly high-ranking officer, but he was low-ranking enough to be on the ground with the guys all the time, actually running operations and, and in the midst of the ass, as they said at the time. McNamara's book, in retrospect, The Tragedy and Lessons of Vietnam. Is that the one? Well, what's the title? That's it, The no. in retrospect. The Fog of War. Was... That was the documentary about him. Okay. The Fog huh. of War was written by James Blight. Huh. That's McNamara's book, huh? Okay. Um, uh, but anyway, so this uh, book, A Bright Shining Lie, was about um, this guy seeing the reality of what was happening and then juxtaposing it against what was being told to the American people and what the politicians were saying and the orders he was getting from on high and how it was uh, just a real hall of mirrors. Uh, politically speaking, et cetera, but excellent stuff. Uh, you know, when Jack comes back, I know he's done some really good reading on that, too. Maybe we'll talk about that. Uh, on a more uh, immediate topic, this is fantastic. A couple of watchdog groups are out with a couple of complaints. One is pointing out that the Internal Revenue Service's outsourcing of tax debt collection is costing the IRS about $3 for every dollar it brings in. There you go. There's your government at work. National Taxpayer Advocate Nina Olson, head of the Taxpayer Advocate Service, said in her annual report to Congress Wednesday 
So this is not a crank. I mean, she's testifying before Congress that the private debt collection cost the IRS $20 million in the last fiscal year and only collected $6.7 million in back taxes. That, according to the New York Times. The $20 million included administrative costs as well as commissions. The private contractors, whose introduction was supported by both Democrats and Republicans, also managed to collect a 25% commission on some collections that the IRS made without them. You know, this is a great example of, and I've been called an elitist for this, and it's fairly accurate, actually, in just in this context. There are a lot of things that should not be subject to democratic rule in a democracy because we the people will always do the wrong thing. The mob is not a trusted part of a political system. Just because you have a, you know, 50% plus one doesn't mean you should be able to do anything in a democracy. In fact, this country was designed as a republic specifically so that the majority could not oppress the minority. We're still working to fulfill the promise of that idea, but, you know, it's it's a hard gig. Um, here's a great example of that. Everybody hates the IRS. Partly because our taxes are too high and, you know, they're arbitrary and they're unfair and they target you based on your political leanings at times and blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot to hate. They also will drag you into an audit, not really fully inform you of your rights, try to take all your money. There's a lot to dislike at the IRS. So how do we, we the people, we the howling mob react to that? We say defund them. Screw them. Don't give them money. Shrink the agency. Just, you know, defund them. And so the IRS has a legitimate role in collecting taxes and making sure people don't cheat and the rest of it, their their police authority. But they're so wildly underfunded in a lot of cases that they can't do the work right. So they come up with these ridiculous schemes of outsourcing this or that. And, and the howling mob is not capable of thinking through, you know, the way it actually ought to work. We ought to have lower, more widespread taxes, a wider tax base, etc. The $75,000 of the tax code ought to be about five pages. And the IRS ought to have a very simple, easy job and, and do it well and have plenty of funding to do it. But no. So. Meanwhile, while every other bureaucracy in D.C. is gigantic and bloated, the IRS doesn't have enough money to actually you know, do what it's supposed to do. Hilarious. Costs them $3 to collect every dollar of tax debt collection. Just beautiful. You know, if they work extra hard, the country will be broke, you know. If they don't do anything, the country will be broke in 10 years. If they do their job really, really well, the country will be broke in one year. That's hilarious. Another watchdog group, angry at the Trumpster. My Trump, my Trump, my porn star humping Trump. Allegedly. Allegedly. A watchdog group filed a pair of complaints on Monday alleging that the 130 grand reportedly uh, payment reportedly made to a pornographic film actress. I like that term way better than porn star. Everybody can't be a star. No, I'm a character ac- actress. Maybe. I accidentally saw a porn once and uh some of those gals didn't appear to have a starring role n- 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 nor the fellers. In fact, they did pretty much more of an ensemble cast. They yeah, exactly. Right. And and they should have been listed in the credit as person occasionally glimpsed the owner of a disembodied penis at any rate the watchtower group is saying that the 130 grand allegedly paid to the pornographic film actress they don't actually film porn they don't even videotape it 
What's the agreed upon term for recording something digitally? I mean, just recording. Now. We've we've actually had picky, picky little biatch uh, listeners say, "Joe, you don't tape something." Oh, shut up. Um, so she should be referred to as a pornographic, just a pornographic actress. Yeah. Except they're actually fornicating. They're not acting. Except they're acting like they enjoy it way more than they are. So I'm back to thinking they're an actress. Okay, sorry. So the payments allegedly made to the pornographic actress who claims to have had an affair with Donald Trump violated campaign finance laws. In submission to the Justice Department and the Federal Elections Commission, Common Cause said the alleged payment to one Stephanie Clifford... I don't know that name. ...who uses the stage name Stormy Daniels... Ah, yes. Boy, oh boy, I did a little research uh, yesterday. She is open for business. She's an imaginative girl. There are few uh, acts of love that she appears to be uh, uh, unwilling to participate in. And I congratulate her. Or her uh, sexual adventurousness. Anyway, they're saying they amounted to an in-kind donation to Trump's presidential campaign that should have been public, publicly disclosed in its official reports. The payments, uh, the payments appear to be hush money, and he compared the situation to uh, John Edwards' deal, who uh, was paying people off for his affairs back in the day, huh? We'll see if this goes anywhere. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show.